We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're a local congregation and we're out on our first open air witness of 2024. We normally try to come out once a week, but for various reasons it wasn't possible. But this is the first time we've been out since the middle of December. And we're delighted with this lovely day that the Lord has given to us. And despite what the media might tell you, the Lord God Almighty, the one who made heaven and earth, He is the one who is in control of the weather. And we are giving Him thanks this afternoon for this glorious day, this lovely mild uh, January afternoon whereby we are able to come out in peace and in freedom to bring you something of good news of the Christian gospel. And indeed it is a, a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you this afternoon. And as we said, this is the open-air witness of our uh, new year, and therefore we'd like to wish you all a very happy and a prosperous new year and we do hope that the Lord would follow with his blessing upon your lives. Now you may well wonder why are we coming out? Maybe you might say to yourself, well uh, the church should keep their message to their pulpits and to their churches. Well we would disagree with you because the Lord Jesus Christ, our great King and Head of the Church, has given us a commission. And that commission is to go out into all the world and to preach the Gospel. Let me just read it for you as we find it at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus said to his disciples just before he was taken up into heaven go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And there the Lord Jesus gave his apostles and the early disciples their commission to go into the world and to teach and to preach every creature that they might come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the early church were diligent, they did what they could, but obviously the task was too great for them. They didn't have the modern conveniences uh, that we have, and they weren't able to travel like we are today. But considering the obstacles that they overcame, they had a wonderful successful time, and they brought the gospel as best as they could to the nations round about them. 
But friends, that commission that has been given to the church, it belongs to all the Christians. And therefore we want to take up our part in that commission and go forth with the gospel. And that's why we're here this afternoon. And we've been here on other occasions and we have been on other locations on other occasions. And we simply want to bring to you the message from the Bible. Now what is the message from the Bible? Well, it would not be wrong to tell you that the message from the Bible is a love story from God. It is a, a love story from God. You know, friends, in the Bible, you'll find everything you need to know. Shut the fuck up. No, sir, I won't. Thank you very much. I'm glad you appreciate the preaching. No. But the Bible will tell you things that you will not find out anywhere else. Like, for instance, who has created all things? You see this glorious creation that we're part of? Who has created this? Well, the Bible makes it abundantly clear. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God is the one who has created all things, this physical world and universe that we can see, and also a spiritual world, a world that we cannot see, but one day we shall enter into. And God is the one who has created all life, whether that be plant life, animal life, bird life, fish life, angels life or indeed human life he is the one who has created us all and he is the great God who does sustain all things and the Bible would tell us what our purpose in this world is you know many people today believe that there is no purpose in life whatsoever no purpose they would try to tell us and that's one reason, and I stress, one reason why many people are not happy today. Because they don't recognize that there is a purpose in life. Well, what is that purpose, you might say? Well, the Bible would teach us, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose. That's why God has created us, in order that we might enjoy Him forever. But the Bible reveals that God made Adam and Eve, and He made them, created them perfectly, Adam from the dust, and Eve was created from Adam, and they were the first uh, husband and wife, the first couple, and from them all of mankind have descended. And therefore, here we are today on Buchanan Street in the very city center of Glasgow. And how many people are here? Well, I wouldn't like to count, but we're all different. But nevertheless, we're all exactly the same. We've all come from this one pair, 
we can all trace our ancestry to Adam and to Eve. Now, they were created perfectly. They were holy. God created man after his own image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness with dominion over the creatures. And when God created our first parents, they were perfect. And because they were perfect, they enjoyed a wonderful time of communion and fellowship with their Creator God. There was no barrier between them. Adam and Eve longed to have time with their Creator God. Uh, yes, sir, what did you say? Um, I'm not sure what you said yet, to tell you the truth. But anyway, our first parents were created perfect. But something happened. Something happened that affected their relationship with Almighty God, their Creator. What was it? Well, the evil one, Satan, came. And Satan tempted our first parents, and they fell. Eve was deceived. She ate the forbidden fruit, and she gave some to her husband, who was disobedient. He should have obeyed God, who told him not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now to you today, here we are in the 21st century in Glasgow and Buchanan Street in the city centre. You might think, well, that's not a big deal. That doesn't really affect me. Well, I've got news for you. It does affect you. It affects every single one of us because, as I said earlier, and as the Bible teaches, we all come from Adam and Eve. And when they fell into sin, we fell with them. So that the Bible would tell us, from the moment we have been conceived, we have a sinful nature. And when we come out of the womb, that sinful nature will reveal itself. How will it reveal itself? It will reveal itself in sinful thoughts, sinful words, and sinful actions. And I put it to you. This is something that you can examine for yourself. Those of you who are parents, you brought children into this world, and you've sought to bring them up in a good manner, but very often they're disobedient, very often they're naughty, very often they'll tell lies, very often they'll fight their siblings, very often they're disobedient. Now I ask you, in all simplicity, did you teach them to do these things? No. You see, and quite right too. You didn't teach them. Then who did teach them? It comes from their sinful nature. That's what it comes from. And friends, this is our greatest problem that faces mankind today and all throughout the centuries and indeed till end of time. This indeed is the greatest problem. But as I said at the beginning, as I said, here, friends, in the Bible, we have God's answer to our greatest plight 
and problem. God has provided an answer. You see, God made us, and he delighted us. But when sin came, that relationship changed. And because of our sinfulness, we have no desire to be reconciled to God in of ourselves. We don't have the appetite. We don't have the desire. We don't have the will. We're very happy to be estranged and separated from our great creator God. But God is not. Because he sees our ultimate destiny. He sees that if this problem is not addressed, then where are we going? That's what that's the title of a, a track that we're handing out this afternoon to people. Where are you going? Where are you going? Well, we're not talking about where you're going this afternoon or where you're going this evening or where you hope to go this after this this weekend or maybe for a holiday. No, no. We're going a wee bit further ahead. Where are you going when you pass into eternity? Where will you go? Well, the Bible tells us if this great problem of our sin is not addressed and dealt with, then we will go to a terrible place. Now, you know the name of that place. Very often you use it uh, as a swear word. But the Bible talks about a terrible place. That place is called hell. And that's where we will go unless our problem with sin is addressed. And there, friends, I tell you, in the Bible, what do we find? We find God taking the initiative and God dealing with this great problem because he deals with sin. How does he deal with it? Well, here's the wonderful news of the Christian gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There, friends, you see the full expression of the love of God towards mankind. God saw us lost. God saw us estranged and separated. God saw us on our lost eternity path. But God did something, and he did something wonderful. He sent his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what did he do? How could Jesus address our greatest problem? Well, he addressed that problem by coming into this world and taking upon himself our form and our nature. He became just like us. Son of God, the eternally begotten Son of God, took upon himself our form and our nature. He became just like us. The, the, the Son of God became the Son of Man. He is the God-Man. He is the most unique individual in the whole of the universe. There is none like Him. He is God in the flesh. And He had to come like this.
because he had to suffer and he had to die. And as God, as the Son of God, he could never suffer and he could never die. It would be impossible for him. But as the God-man, yes, he could suffer and he could die. And more importantly, he could live a perfect life. And that's what he did. He came into this world and for a period of around 33 years, we cannot be dogmatic and certain, but around that time, he lived for 33 years and he lived a perfect life. Absolutely perfect. Never said a wrong word. Never had to apologize. Never had a sinful thought. Never committed a, a sinful act. Lived a perfect life. Well, he had to live a perfect life because at the end of his life, he was going to offer up himself as a perfect sacrifice. You see, sin might be a light matter with you. And it might be a light matter with the people of this world. But sin is a heinous thing in the sight of God. And he had to deal with it. He chose, he chose to punish his son in the room and place of sinners. He laid upon his son the iniquity of us all. That's what he did. There when Jesus Christ was on the cross, he was being punished as our substitute. He was dying as a sinner. But he could not sin. It was impossible for him to sin. But he was taking the punishment that was rightly due to his people. There he was as a substitute, offering up a perfect sacrifice. You might be familiar with the words of John the Baptist when he saw the Son of God coming towards him to be baptized. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And that's what Jesus Christ has done. Now, this requires a reaction and a response from you. This is why we come out this afternoon and we leave the comfort of our manses and our pulpits and we come out into the marketplace. And what do we do? We seek to introduce you to the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because... You are urged to call upon him. But I ask you the obvious thing to say. Why would you call upon someone you know nothing about? And why would you call upon someone and you have no need to call upon that person as far as you can understand? And therefore, this is why we come out. We want to tell you about your good need that you have sinned and come short of the glory of God and we want to tell you 
about the glorious provision, the divine provision, the all-sufficient provision that God has made for sinners in the Lord Jesus Christ. In order that you might call upon him. That's why we come out, therefore. This is our mission, to tell you about the Savior, about this one who came from heaven, and this one who did all that was required of him in order to purchase a salvation for us. What does that word salvation mean? It's a clear biblical word, but we must be careful that we don't use words that people today don't understand. Well, salvation is quite simply to be free, to be set free, to be emancipated. That's what it means. And the Lord Jesus Christ has, has set us free. If the Son shall set you free, ye shall be free indeed, the Bible says. Kind of freedom is he talking about? Many people talk about freedom today. What is the freedom that the Bible speaks about? Well, it is freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, something that we all have by nature, and it's freedom from its power. Sin is a very powerful thing. It is the most powerful thing in the world, next to God Himself. And we need to be freed from it. And friends, salvation is ultimately in its full expression to be set free from the very presence of sin itself. That's what it will be like in heaven. That's what it will be like in glory. There'll be no sin in glory. Here in the world, we have sin all around us. We have sin within us. We sin daily. Everyone round about us sins. All the problems that this world faces can only be traced back to this one source. It is our own personal sin. That's why we have wars and rumors of wars. It is because of sin. That's why we have hospitals and hospices. It's all because of sin. Because there would be no sickness if there was no sin. Yes, friends, do we realize this? When God created the heavens and the earth, he looked upon his glorious creation and he said it's all very good. It was absolutely perfect. There was no sin in it. And therefore, there was no suffering. There was no tears, no sickness, no fighting. No death. All of these things came in after we sinned. Well, friends, there's a day to look forward to. Is there not? What will that day be? That day will be when God shall create a new heavens and in dwelleth righteousness, and there'll be no sin then. None of the it shall all be eradicated. But, friend, I want to ask you this afternoon. Do you know anything about this new heaven and this new earth? Will you be in it? Part in that, you might say. The only way that you can have a part in that new heaven 
and that new earth is to have your sins forgiven and to be reconciled to God today. How can this happen? If I'm a sinner, how can I possibly be reconciled to God? Can I work my way to heaven? Can I work my way to be approved by God? No, friends, you cannot. No, this is one of the things that makes Christianity absolutely unique. Every other religion, and there are no exceptions, every other religion is man trying to get right with God by his own by his own efforts. Every religion apart from Christianity. Christianity teaches us that God has come down in Christ in order to save us. The other religions of this world, they are the efforts of men trying to work their way to heaven. And they will all fail. And they will all disappoint you. That's why Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. No man cometh the Father but by me. But heaven, that's where God the Father is. And none of us will be in heaven unless the Lord Jesus Christ takes us. When he takes us, we are to run to him. We are to call upon him. For salvation is found in none other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Oh, did you notice that, friends? Where we must be saved. We must be saved. Why? Because by nature we're lost and we're perishing. We're on that broad road that leads to destruction. It's nature and there are no exceptions. This is what the Bible teaches us. This is why we come out that we might present to you another way. Or you might say, well, in the streets in Glasgow these days surely this man is beside himself it's something different I would say something different you know if the Bible's true and it is and if the Bible tells us there's going to be a day of judgment when we will all stand before Jesus as he's on that great throne surely if that is true is it not incumbent upon me to come out in the street and to tell you about that great day and how you can avoid being condemned on that day? Would I not be less than human if I would not come out and tell you the good news of the gospel? There is a way to be saved. There is a way to be reconciled to God. There is a way whereby your sins can be forgiven. There is a way whereby you can be at peace with God. 
and it's the way that he himself has provided. It's not my way. I didn't devise this. I'm simply a mouthpiece. I'm simply repeating to you what we find in God's Word. I'm telling you about the Savior that God has provided, the only Savior and the only Gospel. Yes, we acknowledge that the there are many, many religions in this world. And in one sense, in a human sense, we are competing against a vast majority of, of religions. But then, here is God's religion. Here is God's response to mankind's greatest problem. Here we have God's book. A book that God has written to us. And for our edification in order that we might know the way to be right with God. What is that way? Well, that way is found in the Lord Jesus and in Him alone. The Bible says, and you can pick up this quote yourself by looking at your Bibles. The Bible says, For there is one God, and there is one Mediator, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for all to be testified in due time. What is a mediator? Well, a mediator is someone who gets involved in a dispute between two parties. Well, there is a dispute between God and man. God, a holy God, and mankind sinful and therefore there is a dispute there is a chasm between a holy God and sinful mankind but the Lord Jesus Christ the mediator he is the God man and he bridges the gap between a holy God and sinful mankind for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And this is the one that you must have dealings with. This is the one you must call upon. This is the one that you must be found in on that great day. On that great day that coming. But first we tell you today, today is the day of grace. Today is the time when we can get reconciled to God that we can make our peace with God. And we can do this only through the way that He Himself has provided for us. That is remarkable. Think on it. That's remarkable. We are the ones. Mankind has offended God by our behavior. But God is the one who has devised a way whereby God and men can be reconciled. It's not mankind. We haven't devised but God has. That's His way. The way that He has provided. And friends, this is the day of grace. This is when God's grace is extended to you today, to all of you, to young and to old, to rich and to poor to the irreligious or the religious. This is the grace of God. Behold, now is the accepted time.
Behold, now is the day of salvation. Even here in the street, on Buchanan Street, in Glasgow City Centre this afternoon, friends, behold, this is the time. Behold, listen, here's the gospel. Behold, the Savior has been offered to you in some sense. The words of the Savior are apt and appropriate to quote this afternoon. Come unto me, all ye that labor under heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're going to take a short break. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. A local congregation. We meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road, opposite the police station. Go up the hill and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School and you'll meet our building there on the crossroads next door to the school. And we issue you a warm welcome any Lord's Day, any Sunday at 11 a.m. or 6 p.m. And we also have a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30. You're welcome to attend these services. May God bless his word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're a local congregation and we meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace. If you go up Dumbarton Road, you'll come to the police station. Opposite the police station, there's a hill. Yes, I know it's a steep hill, but if you go up that hill, you'll come to Thornwood Primary School and you'll meet our building there at the crossroads next to it. We give you a warm welcome to come along any Lord's Day, that Sunday, the first day of the week at 11 a.m. or in the early evening at 6 p.m. We also have a prayer meeting Wednesday at 7.30 and we extend a warm welcome to you all to come along. It may be that you've got out of the habit of going to a place of worship because of COVID or for any other reason maybe you've simply got out of the habit of going to a place of worship well if you'd like to rekindle that habit please feel free to come along anytime maybe you don't have a Bible and maybe you'd like one well if that's the case please make yourself known and we'll be happy to give you a copy of the scriptures. The only thing that we ask is that you read it. We don't want it to be a, an ornament. We want you to take it and read it. But we're glad to be out this afternoon. We try to come out once a week. And for one or two reasons, we weren't able to do that the last couple of weeks or so. But it's good to be back out. And it's good to be here to see so many people and it's good that the Lord has given us such a, a lovely day a beautiful day early in December and it reminds us again that despite what the media might try to tell us and all the, the scientists that somehow mankind controls uh, the climate well we don't believe that 
God is the one who controls the climate. He sends the storms, the sun. He sends the, the rain, the frost. He sends the hail. He sends the wind. He is in control of his creation. For the Bible makes it clear that he is the one who has created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And therefore, God is the one who has created us, mankind. God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. Now we recognize that to many people today that's very counter-cultural. It's not very politically correct to say that, man, that God created man male and female. Is this a yes, yes he is. You want to hear? Listen. Have you got a question for the preacher? Well the preacher will tell you why we're here. Why are we here? We're here to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose in life. And sadly, friends, many of us have lost the purpose of life. And to many people, there is no purpose of life. For me, that describes yourself this afternoon. No purpose in your life. Amen. Well, friends, we tell you that to find the purpose of life, you need to serve Jesus Christ. And you need to be reconciled to God through believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus is the one who says, you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. That's why he came. Because, friends, by nature we are dead spiritually. Oh, we can be very, very much physically alive. We can be quite capable of doing many, many things in the physical sphere. But by nature, the Bible tells us that we are spiritually dead. What does that mean? Well, it simply means that the life of God is not in us. We don't love God as we should. We don't love Him. We don't love our Creator. We don't love that God who formed us and made us. We don't love the God who provides for us. Everything we have has been given to us by Almighty God. The very air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the food that we eat, our family, our friends, our employment, our homes, everything has ultimately come to us from God. Yet, God who has been good and who is good is not loved by us because we are spiritually dead. But Jesus Christ has come and he's come to restore that spiritual life. He says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You can have this life. You can have this life by coming to the 
Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great life giver. He gave his life in order that we might have life. That's what he did. The eternally begotten Son of God came down from heaven. He came down on a mercy mission. And we bless God that he did come down. Because if he did not come down, we would all be lost eternally. But in the gospel, friends, there's a great hope for all who will come and call upon him. The Apostle Paul said to young Timothy in Ephesus, in the New Testament, he says to him, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus come into the world to save sinners. There, friends, we see the coming of the Lord Jesus and we see and hear of the purpose of the coming Lord Jesus to save sinners. Now here maybe we come across our first obstacle this afternoon. He came to save sinners. And you might say, well, that's great. He came to save sinners. But that doesn't affect me. If that's what you're saying to yourself, I don't know. But that's what many people are thinking today. It's great that Jesus came to save sinners. But that doesn't affect me. Why? Because in your own estimation, you are not sinners. In your own estimation, righteous. And in your own estimation, you don't need the Lord Jesus. Or maybe others do. Maybe the drugs, and the drug addicts, and the murderers, and the rapists, and the fornicators, and the adulterers, and the thieves, and the robbers. Maybe these people, these people maybe who are, are filling our prisons, well, yes, they're sinners, but I'm not a sinner. I don't need the Lord Jesus. Well, is that what the Bible says? And remember, friends, we're basing all that we want to say to you this afternoon, we're basing it on the Bible, which is God's infallible Word. What, is, what does the Word of God say about us? It says, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is some statement. That's a universal statement that involves you and me. What does it say? Let's repeat it. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's God's verdict. You'll find it in Romans chapter 3 and at verse 23. I'm not making this up. It's in the book of God. It's in God's revelation that he has given to us. And he has said the same thing in various ways in different places. He says further on in Romans chapter 6 verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you, did you hear the first part of that verse? For the wages of sin is death. That's why we have death in this world. It is because of sin. But you know, the apostle there is not just simply talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death and physical death and ultimately eternal death. That's what sin deserves. That's the wages of sin. You see, sin promises so much. Sin promises that it will make us feel good. It will bring happiness to us. Ah, but there's a sting in the tail with sin. Even find it in this world. But ultimately, if our sins are not dealt with, if that great problem of our sin is not dealt with, it will bring about our eternal death. For the wages of sin is death. Therefore, friends, surely we can realize that sin is an exceedingly serious matter. It's not something to laugh at. It's not something to bypass or to ignore or to belittle. Sin is serious because sin is offensive to God Himself. The Bible says this about our Creator God. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. That's how the prophet Habakkuk spoke about the great God that you and I have to deal with. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. God is absolutely holy, righteous. Do you know that even the angels, the angels who cannot sin, they cannot look upon God because of His purity, because of His holiness. That's terrifying because there's many people today and maybe even many people in the street this afternoon somehow they think that when they pass on into eternity they will suddenly rush into the presence of God and He will accept them while the holy angels cannot look upon Him yet somehow you think that everything will be alright and you'll be able to rush into His presence and He will welcome you well, friends, you need to realize something must happen before God can possibly welcome you into His presence. What is that that must happen? Your sins must be dealt with. This great problem of your personal sin must be dealt with. Ah, oh, but I can You say, I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner. There is none righteous. No, not one, the Bible says. None. None righteous in the sight of God. You might be righteous in your own eyes. 
and you might be righteous as far as your friends and family are concerned and you might well be righteous as far as the law of the land is concerned but you need to wake up you're not going to be judged by your neighbor or by your spouse or by your partner or by your parents or by the law of the land you're going to be judged by God's holy and inflexible law and that law condemns us you know we're required to keep the Ten Commandments I'm assuming you know about the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai when he took the people of Israel out of Egypt and entered into a covenant with them he gave them the law but you know that law that he gave and codified there on Mount Sinai do you know that you have that law written in your heart it's part of our constitution it belongs to every single human being we have it in our in our hearts but God gave it to the to Moses and to the people for greater clarity because of sin that law that is written in our hearts has been somewhat obscured or out of focus or smudged so that it's not as clear as it should be but nevertheless that law is there and we are required to obey that law but you know we cannot we're required to but we cannot for us why because of sin because of sin because of the sin within us because of its grip because of its power because of its influence it has over us we cannot keep the law of God let me give you one example what does the seventh commandment say thou shalt not commit adultery that's the seventh commandment thou shalt not commit adultery now maybe you're telling me well I've never committed adultery I have been faithful to my to my spouse and I'm sure that's the case but do you know that Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that if a man is to look upon a woman lustfully he has committed adultery with her in his heart it's the same for a woman if she looks upon a man lustfully in her heart then she has committed adultery do you see friends the law of God is spiritual it's not just concerned about what we do with our hands and our feet but it also covers our very thoughts and how many of us have sinful thoughts how many of us have broken the seventh commandment how many of us have lusted after someone else that friends as far as God is concerned is heart adultery we've broken 
the seventh commandment. And read this in the book of James. If you break one commandment, you've broken them all. Now, does that not expose our guilt before God? Does that not reveal to us again afresh that we need a Savior? Because God's law condemns us and God will not change His law. But friends, what is the good news of the Gospel? The good news of the Gospel is someone else has kept that law on our behalf. Who is that person? Who are we referring to? We're referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who came from heaven, took upon himself our form and nature, became like us, and he lived a perfect life. He lived and obeyed the law of God. He never it. He never said a wrong word. He never had a wrong thought. He never committed a wrong action. He lived a perfect God-honoring life. And therefore, this is why we present him as our Savior. He is one who has kept the law of God on our behalf. And those who believe upon him, they receive his righteousness. He takes our sin. He suffered and died in our room and in our place as our substitute and we receive his righteousness. His righteousness is imputed unto us so that when God looks upon the repentant sinner, what does he see? He sees Christ. That, friends, is the gospel. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one that we're to call upon. This is the one who alone can save. That one who went to the cross after he had offered up himself as a sacrifice and he was punished in a room and in our place. And he satisfied the just hands of God's holy and inflexible law. Now, what must you do? Well, it's required of you to call upon Him, to believe upon Him, to have Him as your Lord and Savior. Will He save? Will He accept me? Will He receive me? What does the Bible say? What encouragement have we got to go to Him? Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. These are the words that you'll find at the end of Matthew chapter 11. We call it a gospel invitation and he gives this invitation to all come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden 
Have you got a burden this afternoon? I'm not talking about your shopping. And I'm not talking about the debt you might have. But have you got a burden that's invisible, yet it is heavy? What is that burden, minister? That burden is your sin. That's what it is. You maybe don't recognize it. You're not able to articulate it. Or you're not able to define it. But that burden is your sin. What must you do? Go to Jesus Christ. What does the Bible tell us? Repent and believe the gospel. Turn away from your sin. Come and lay hold upon Jesus Christ. Another invitation some time ago in the Old Testament, some 600 years before the coming of Christ, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. That's what the, the prophet Isaiah said. Not of himself, but of another. And he said it of the Savior who was to come. Look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. And there is no other Savior other than Jesus Christ. And that's why we come out to you this afternoon seeking to seriously speak about serious matters what can be more important and relevant and pertinent to you today other than being saved because friends by default by nature we are lost but the Lord Jesus Christ he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And all oh, we must recognize that we need him and that we can do nothing without him. And if we want to have a happy eternity, then we must come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to take a short break for a moment, but we do hope and trust that the Lord will follow with his blessing upon the preaching of his word. Welcome again to our open air witness. This week we're coming from Buchanan Street in Glasgow City Centre and we're taking advantage of this lovely weather that God has given to us. Here we are, beginning of a new year and early January and the weather is indeed very, very pleasant and we're delighted that we're able to come out to bring you some of the good news of the Christian gospel. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland continuing. We are a a local congregation. We minister in the Partick area. We meet at Two Thornwood Terrace, 
That's just up Dumbarton Road. And you'll come to the police station. Opposite the police station, go up a, a steep hill. You'll come to Thornwood Primary School. And we're next door at the crossroads. And we would extend a warm welcome to you. Come along any Lord's Day, that Sunday, the first day of the week, despite what many of your calendars will tell you. It's the first day of the week, and we meet at 11 a.m., and we also meet in the early evening at 6 p.m. And then we also have a midweek meeting Wednesday at 7.30, and we do extend a warm welcome to you to come along to any of these uh, public services. And don't be in any sense apprehensive or nervous. Please feel free to come along. We would, we would be delighted uh, to see you. We want to present to you the Lord Jesus Christ the one who suffered and died in the room and place of sinners. He's the one who has come down from heaven. Oh yes, he has, sir. Why do you say that now? Because it's just imagination. Oh yes, there's a man who's telling us that Jesus didn't come down from heaven. Well, friends, just think of this for one moment. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ changed time itself. It went from B.C. to A.D. to the year of our Lord. Do you think something as notable as that would happen for a non-event? To say that Jesus did not come down from heaven is, quite frankly, ridiculous. He did come down from heaven. And he has changed the world as a result. And he's lived a perfect life demonstrating that he is the Son of God. He is the long-promised and long-wanted and long-sought-after Messiah. Now, we recognize that people can indeed reject the Lord Jesus Christ. That can happen. That does happen, sadly. But it is ridiculous to deny that Jesus Christ did not come down from heaven. All the facts are against you. Every single fact is against you. He's the only one that ever lived a perfect life. And even his enemies couldn't deny it. They could not deny that Jesus Christ was without sin. Now that's in a sharp contrast to ourselves. Every one of us are sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. We all sin day after day, moment after moment. We all sin. There are no exceptions. The only one is the Lord Jesus Christ 
himself. And this is another clear evidence that he came down from heaven because he lived a perfect life. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say, Of whom I am the chief. Of whom I am the chief. That's what he says. Of whom I am the chief. And therefore, there is encouragement in that verse. Because it reminds us of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why he came. And it would show his willingness to save sinners. Because the Apostle Paul says of himself that he's a chief of sinners. Yet he has been saved. Is that not remarkable? Does that not tell us therefore about the willingness of the Lord Jesus Christ to save sinners? Here the Apostle Paul is clearly saying he is the chief of sinners. Yet he's the great apostle. Yet he has been saved. Therefore, there is hope for all of us, without exception. Whether we be young or old, it matters not. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Come now, the Bible says, come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. They are friends. This is what happens when someone comes to the Lord Jesus Christ with all their sin, yet they are cleansed and they are made fit for heaven itself. This is what happens. This is what Jesus Christ alone can do. He alone can save. He alone can cleanse. He alone can take away our sin. Therefore, we are to put our faith and our hope and our trust upon him. The Bible tells us how sin came into this world. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All have sinned. Adam, our first parent, he sinned. We've all come from Adam and Eve. They sinned. We've got their sinful nature. We cannot save ourselves. That's why we need a Savior. And that Savior is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a wonderful encouragement to go unto him. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He will not cast out anyone that comes to him. None whatsoever. What does it mean to come to the Lord Jesus Christ? It means to repent. It means to turn away from our sins. It means to believe upon him. Believe that he is the eternally begotten Son of God. Believe that he is the one whom God has appointed to be the saviour of mankind. To believe that he went to the cross. 
because there are some people and some religions that will teach us that Jesus did not go to the cross. But he did. He went to the cross. He suffered and died there. Nails were put through his hand and his feet and through his side. He had a crown of thorns upon his head. And there God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And he was taken down from that cross and put into a tomb. Do you know it was a borrowed tomb? Do you know it wasn't his? It was a brand new tomb prepared for someone else. And Jesus went into it. He was there on the Friday night, there all day Saturday. But what happened on the first day of the week? What happened on Sunday? He arose. Out of the grave he came. You see, friends, his work was accepted. His work was accepted by God. And that's why he came out of the grave. Because his work was done, it was now time for him to begin a new work. He would rise from the dead. He would be seen of his disciples and apostles for a period of time. And then he would ascend up into heaven. Where he would continue his work of building his church. Through his church. Through his people. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And therefore when we bring to your attention this person the Lord Jesus Christ, because after all, He is the very sum and the substance of Christianity, and there is no Christianity without Christ. He is the very center of it. Christianity is all about a person. It's all about what God has done in Christ for sinful mankind. But friends, when we talk to you about the Savior, we are not speaking about someone who's in uh, a crib, or who's on the cross, or indeed of a Savior who is in the tomb. No, we're speaking about one who has risen and who has been exalted and who, who now sits at God's right hand. He's in heaven. He's at the Father's right hand. He is at the highest place exalted in the universe. And one day, this same Jesus will return in like manner, we're told. The apostles and the disciples, they saw the Lord Jesus Christ being taken up into heaven. They were there. And as they gazing, as he went up and up and up, and a cloud came and covered him and took him into heaven, an angel appeared. And said to these men, Ye men of Galilee, why are you staying here? Why are you looking up? This same Jesus shall return in like manner. And if you like, friends, this is the next greatest event in God's calendar. It's that day when he shall return. Behold, he says in his word, Behold, every eye shall see him. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. You will see him. 
The day will come when you will see him coming in his power and glory. Everyone shall see him. How can that possibly be? You're asking me. Well, I'll tell you. It's a resurrection. You know, when he comes again, what happens? There's going to be a resurrection. Everyone who has ever died shall come to life again. And they shall see him. You shall see him. Everyone shall see him. You can reject him maybe for a moment, for a time. You can reject him all the days of your life. But one day you are going to be confronted with him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. A very solemn verse that we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. Read it in your own Bibles. Don't just take my word for it for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Did you notice, friends, that this afternoon we are preaching to you Christ as Lord and Savior, a one who is willing to save all who will come to him without exception, all who will repent and believe the gospel? Well, one day, friends, you'll not meet Jesus as a saviour and as a judge. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And that day when he comes to judge, it will be too late to call upon him to save. For today is the day of salvation. Today is the time and the opportunity when you are to cry out to him. This is the day. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And the Apostle Paul goes on and adds, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. This is what motivated the Apostle Paul. He knew about the reality of meeting God. And he knew the terror of the Lord. And he wanted people to know the good news of the gospel. That today there is an opportunity afforded to us all whereby we might cast ourselves upon the mercy of God in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the day of grace. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The Bible also says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. 
of what's that telling us, friends? It's telling us that the moment we truly trust upon the Lord Jesus, when we will believe upon him, we shall have the gift of eternal life. It's a present day reality for those who are in Christ to have him as Lord and Savior, to have that wonderful gift of eternal life. Now, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's very clear, is it not? Stark. If you have Christ as Lord and Savior, you have eternal life now. But if you don't have Christ, you don't have life. And what will happen to you then on that great day of judgment? Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. This is why we come out, that you might have a great hope. Because, friends, on that day, if you're condemned, what will happen? Where will you go? Well, the Bible's clear. We'll go to one of two places when we pass into eternity. We'll either go to be with Christ in heaven, which is far better, or we will go to that place that is called hell, the place that has been prepared for the devil and for his angels. And friends, no one wants to go there. How can I avoid it then? The only way you can avoid it is to have Christ as your Savior. He alone can save. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other way to be saved. No other saviour. No other gospel. What are we going to do then? You need to close in with Christ. You need to have him. You need to seek him. You need to cast yourself upon him. And you'll find that he is merciful. Yes, the Son of God is merciful. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That's a gospel invitation that he gives. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. For the Son of God has not come to destroy men's lives but to save them. He came to save, but he'll only save on his terms. And what are his terms? Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and turn away from your sins. Repent and take Christ as Lord and Savior. Repent and take up the cross and follow him. Repent and turn your back upon your old evil life. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your fornication. Turn away from your adultery. Turn away from your blasphemy. Turn away from your Sabbath breaking. Turn away from your stealing, lying, cheating, hypocrisy, self-righteousness. 
turn away from all of these sins and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a glorious and wonderful promise that he gives to all of us. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, it's been good to be with you this afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We're going to draw our time to a close. We do hope and trust that the Lord will follow with his blessing upon the preaching of his word. And if you have received a, a gospel tract, please take it with you. You might not be able to read it at the moment, but take it home and read it. It provides our contact details, and it does give you a very brief gospel message. So thanks again for listening, and may God be pleased to bless his word to you this afternoon.